Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Well, welcome to another episode of Man Up, Man Down. Uh, once again, we've got a, a special guest in the virtual studio, and today's guest is Caroline Williams. How did I discover Caroline? Um, <laughs> I uh, Well, basically, I was just uh, looking on my phone, and an article popped up um, with the headline, you know, what what's the cause of the explosion in ADHD diagnosis? And I thought, oh, you know, that's an interesting topic, something we've covered before something that um, obviously I'm very interested in. Um, then started reading the article. It was an amazing article, incredibly well written. Yeah. Obviously, as a journalist and a copywriter of very high standards. And then basically after a bit of a cyber stalking, I tra- tracked down the uh, the author, Caroline. Um, but Caroline's been writing for New Scientist, Telegraph, BBC, Guardian, Boston Globe, a number of publications for, for quite a long time. So, well, welcome to the uh, the podcast, Caroline. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for cyber-stalking me. It's all good. It shows that my <laughs> my social presence is actually worthwhile. So, <laughs> Yeah, but welcome to the podcast for me as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm, I have the feeling I'm sitting with two people here that are like David, so it's going to be an interesting ride for me. <laughs> it's gonna, I hope nobody has to edit this because it's going to be trying to... Stop, all- you know, get in the gaps between us talking over each other. <laughs> I just keep in the background then. <laughs> and the interesting thing is on screen, Volker's in the middle. So it is literally yeah. like we're, we're talking over him. Not, not on hiding. his screen. On my screen, I'm on the left. So. Oh, right. no, okay. you're in the middle for me, looking a little bit worried. <laughs> I do look Sorry, I'll behave. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, like another another reason I wanted to, to get Caroline on um, after we'd exchanged a couple of emails, you know, well, I was like, for, for the sake of clarity, I got double F in science at GCSE, which is something we might come back to in terms of focus and hyper-focus. But yeah, I mean, you know, as I say, like you seem like you can take very complex topics and break them down. And so, well, but, and oh, I'm jumping all over the place, but, uh, and, and so we're had, talking about ADHD. Well, you've recently had an ADHD <laughs> diagnosis yourself, haven't you, Caroline? So. I have. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, more aware. I mean, so I, I always suspect ever since I started writing about focus and concentration and distraction and you know there's lots of articles I wrote from you know the early 2000s on that and every time I wrote that I'd sort of speak to people who worked on ADHD and when I looked into the symptoms I was just like tick 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 I reckon this is me and I've been talking myself in and out of like looking into it properly ever since then but yeah finally in July um I did get diagnosed and suddenly um well, I kind of feel slightly vindicated. Um, um, as my mother put it, well, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, that that explains a lot of stuff. <laughs> she said we didn't have these diagnoses in, uh, when you were a kid. We just thought you were hyperactive. I'm like, oh, great. I mean, I think, you know, you've sort of, well, you know, you've basically got a good starter there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to ask 
how old you are, but um, I think we 48. are. Right, um, 48. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, we are of a similar age. Uh, you know, I think, well, you know, at, at the one at the risk of like blowing my own trumpet, you know, I think I struggled to focus at school, but, you know, I was a relatively good student. So, you know, I wasn't dis- thinking some lessons I was a bit disruptive, but I guess, you know, there were always four or five naughtier kids than me. So, you know, I wasn't, I guess, sort of seen as a problem child at school. Um, so, you know, I think there are sort of, oh, and and as you say, it sort of wasn't really a concept then. No. And also, I think it's the way people think of it is that, you know, it's the naughty kid that's jumping off the walls and throwing things across the classroom. And that's not always how it shows up, especially in girls, but also, you know, some boys and some men as well. You know, it can be, it can rather than the hyperactive sort of side of things, it can be the inattention that's the problem. And that's internal. You can't see that. And so it's the kids that are daydreaming and looking out the window or hyperactivity might show up as chatting. Or, you know, I was I was actually a pretty good student. And in fact, I would overcompensate in many ways or, or hyper-focus in some lessons. If I, if I had to write notes, I'd make sure I wrote down every single word the teacher said. And that's the way I kind of kept my brain on task. So you wouldn't have spotted it at school. I got kind of pretty good grades I apart from you know my reports say she was chatty she's you know too easily distracted by her mates but apart from that it wouldn't show up um, necessarily so I think that there's a kind of um it's starting to be better understood now that it but it there's still this kind of idea that you can look at somebody and tell them whether they've got ADHD or not by their behavior and that's not always the case mm. um I mean, I, as, as our listeners will know, my dad passed away quite recently. So, you know, sort of got that process of going through stuff. And um, I've, I've come across a couple of old school reports. And um, yeah, and look, reading through it, I'm like, God, yeah, you know, it feels like there were lots of signs there. You know, that part of me is like, well, you know, is it a cliche that they write in everyone's report, you know, has the yeah. ability but is easily distracted? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had sort of outside of school, my stepdad used to always say to me, God, Caroline, if you had a brain, you'd be dangerous, which mm. now looking back, it's kind of like, <laughs> I know, Volker's looking shocked. You should. Yeah, I like, think looking back, I'm like, brilliant. what? That wasn't a nice thing to say. <laughs> but like, he, he basically was like, well, you're you're really bright. Why are you so stupid? You know, it's that kind of thing. Like, you you can be really clever and, and still be a space cadet. I mean, yeah, I, I sort of, the way that I often look at it is, is like, you know, it's like being the fastest sprinter in the world but not having no sense of direction. Yeah. So, you know... It, and the brakes like, at work, right, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what sort of led you to sort of start looking down? I mean, obviously personal experience, but, you know, what, what made you want to sort of start researching this, as you say, this explosion in diagnosis? Yeah. Well, because, like I say, like back in the early 2000s, I thought I had ADHD, and back then people would say, no, you don't, that's... No, you know, I didn't fit the bill and it wasn't in adult. It wasn't until 2008 in the UK that it was even recognised in adults by NICE. So it didn't really exist then. So I kind of felt like I was being told, don't be silly then. And then recently, over the last few years, because of TikTok and Instagram and all these other things, like this awareness has got to the point where 
it looks like everybody's got ADHD because there's so many people talking about it. And then people say to me, well, you can't have ADHD because that's just a fad and everyone's a little bit ADHD, aren't they? And at that point, I sort of lost my uh, kind of got lost my rag really and said, okay, I need to look at the science to see, you know, where are these all coming from? Does everyone have ADHD? Have we got it all wrong? Um, you know, are these people trying to encroach on other people's territory and, or, or are we over-diagnosing and it's actually just normal variations in human behaviour and I should just say, well, this is me and that's what I'm like and other people are not like that. You know, where is the science in this? So that's why I went to New Scientists and said, I really want to write about this and happily they were they were, they wanted someone to write about it as well. So, um, and that sort of spurred me into getting diagnosed Although putting uh, when I wrote the article, I was still on the waiting list. So, um, you know, as you know, in the UK, waiting lists are pretty massive. But there is a slight shortcut by the NHS. If you go, there's a thing called the right to choose. And you can go to your doctor with a right to choose letter and they have to refer you to one of their preferred providers, which is what I did. So it was actually a six month wait rather than a five to seven year wait. So, yeah, that's what kind of, yeah, it got to a point where everyone was just rolling their eyes about ADHD. And I thought, hang on a minute. I want to know what's going on with me. I want to know what's going on in society. And, you know, so I wanted to look into the science because that's that's what I do. That's how I make sense of the world. And that's how I make a living. So, Um, I mean, can you sort of briefly give the answers to those questions that you were posing? I mean, I think, you know, as you say, it's that I think with lots of things, it, you know, it's like, well, is it? Is it a trend because lots of people are talking about it? Well, you know, well, sorry, is are lots of people talking about it because it's a trend or is it a trend because lots of people are talking about it? So yeah. I think, you know, that would be a good one to sort of tackle. For yeah. sure. So it's a tricky one um, to answer because the diagnosis of ADHD is not based on anything you can measure on a blood test or a brain scan or anything like that so it's it's you know in some ways it's subjective it's the it's the professional opinion of a clinical psychologist or someone else who's properly trained um in the medical profession um but when you have but it is recognized as an actual condition that has you know agreed symptoms and uh, so it's not like it's a made-up diagnosis or anything and based on studies where scientists have taken a random selection from the population and look and then screened them for the diagnostic criteria you would expect from these studies and these have been done all over the world and the numbers come out the same you would expect around five percent of children and around three percent of adults to meet the criteria for ADHD so then the question is okay well let's look at how many people are actually being diagnosed and we can see whether we're over diagnosing or under diagnosing and as you might expect in the US where they've got you know, a slightly different medical mm. system and you know the incentives to diagnose and, and treat are different. Um, in children, they, uh, some, I mean, estimates vary, but like around 8% of children are being diagnosed, which is more than the 5% you would expect. Um, in the UK, it's less than 2% of children. So we are actually still under-diagnosing, it seems, in the UK. In adults, in the US, 5% were diagnosed in 2021, compared, so that's slightly more than the prevalence. And in the UK, 0.5%, so half a percent of adults have a diagnosis of ADHD um, compared to the 3% of the population that you would expect. So, I mean, the short answer is, 
in the UK, I don't know where most of your listeners are based, but in the UK at least, we are hugely underdiagnosing. There's all these cases that are coming through and it's because there's this awareness, people are going, oh, that's me, and then coming forward for testing. And elsewhere it might be going further and you know there's complications involved in that in the UK we also have private clinics and so you you could argue that people are being done too quickly that's one of the concerns of some of the scientists I spoke to that people are being churned through the system because you know there's lots of people coming through and that actually what you might be doing is diagnosing them with ADHD when there's something else going on so lack of attention and distractibility and and things like, and a lot of the symptoms of ADHD also are a feature of anxiety of depression um, of OCD lots of other things so you need some you need a careful diagnose diagnostic process a proper interview that takes an hour and is supported by lots of forms and things to be able to tease these things apart. And there is a concern that now you've got all these people coming forward that they're being whizzed through too quickly and that we may end up with a situation like America where people are, too many people are being diagnosed. But at the moment, um, the reason that all these people are coming forward is because they've been struggling and suddenly they've got a name to put on it and, and they know what to ask for and what to be tested for. So yeah, and also the other thing to say about all these adults coming out of the woodwork is that often... Um, it's a bit of an, we shouldn't think that these people are coming out of nowhere and they've been completely functioning adults and doing fine and suddenly they've got ADHD and want help. A lot of people have already been to their doctor and said, I'm struggling, I can't do this, I can't do that. And they've been diagnosed with anxiety or depression and sent away with antidepressants or told to go and do some stress busting or, you know, anger management or you know, all these other things. Because even among doctors, it wasn't that understood in adults so it's not that people are suddenly you know jumping on a bandwagon in most cases they've got good reason to go and ask for help which is because they're struggling i'm, I'm keeping quiet I'm, I'm watching you two having this conversation and it's really really interesting especially you know when when you start talking to each other it's, it's... <laughs> is it exhausting Walter? <laughs> oh, i would say it's exhausting it's it's something and i, and I said that on previous podcasts when we talked about adhd and neurodiversity I, I can't relate. I don't understand it. It's really, really difficult, right? It's like, a, almost use the word disability there, right? It's not a disability. It's, but it's, it's something you can't see, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or I, if you I, have to live with a person who's, who's like it, and you're like, why yeah. are you like this? And you're like, this is normal. But, and, but yeah. But it's interesting to watch you two having a conversation. It's fascinating, you know, just, just <laughs> listening to, to, to the way you, you, you talk. Um, it's, it's great, you know? I mean... I'm used to David, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it. It's so funny. I've got, I was speaking to a radio uh, producer on Monday and he we had an initial phone call. He's also got ADHD and diagnosed in his 50s. And he phoned up and we were just having this conversation. And even I, by the end of it, was like, that was intense because we were both jumping. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there are some upsides. You know, you, you kind of, there there are lots of upsides that come under, you know, having this sort of, enthusiasm and energy and that kind of thing but I think people don't see the other side of that which is the recovery time that you need after having been out and you know worn yourself out so th there's definite allowances there's ups and downs of it and it's a case of for me anyway I haven't tried any medication yet I had to go on a different uh, waiting list for that for me the biggest impact on my life of having the diagnosis is that I can go okay so I'm not being lazy if I wake up one day and I physically cannot focus on a scientific paper or I'm exhausted. It's not 
a character flaw. I need to do something. I either need to go back to bed for an hour and try later, or I need to go for a walk and get myself in a different state of mind. Or I just need to give up for the day and, and remember that I can do it twice as fast tomorrow if I'm in the right frame of mind. So it's kind of like understanding yourself. And then you can say to other people around you who might be rolling their eyes and going, God, why are you like this? You can say, well, that's, you know, it's a neurodiversity thing. Sorry. I mean, uh, you, well, as well, I think what Volker, when he sort of said about watching us talk, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of what Caroline saying, was saying, I'm sort of nodding away. So, you know, this might might sort of turn into a, a bit of a ramble of uh, my own experiences. But um, I, I mean, sort of what you say about coming forward because, well, to the outside world, you've been getting along fine. Um, yeah. But, you know, and as Volker says, you can't see it. It's, I mean, like, I remember my, my, sort of a doctor saying or basically just looking at my notes and saying oh we've you've held down a job and i'm like thinking and i didn't say anything i'm like basically he's just seen my job title um Mm. he doesn't know what you know what you've just explained how there are some days where you know i literally cannot write a word i can't even you know sit in front of the computer because as you say you know, there is a lot of sort of measuring or managing your energy levels. And again, you know, that thing of, of going to the doctor for depression or anxiety. And, and you know, and I think, as you say, it's it sort of, there is a lot more attention in the media that it is that, you know, you read something and you're like, oh, wow, that's because, you know, I've, I, I mean, I... I guess I've never really sort of seen myself as this hyperactive person. You know, I'm, I'm you, you know, you're more likely to find me lying on the sofa rather than. Um, but yeah, but the hyperactivity but, can be inside. Yeah. I mean, you can be lying on the sofa, and to the, the outside world, you look like you're just slobbing around, and oh, for good, look at the state of this place; it's a mess. And why are you just lying there? And inside your head, it's all going. Grrr. No, even screaming at yourself to get up and stop being a slob that takes energy, and, and you can't see it from the outside. It, it's all. It's all on the inside. But I mean, I think for me, the moment that sort of I thought, oh, because I, I'd sort of had a strong inkling that I was on the autistic spectrum um, from re- you know reading around that and, and sort of similar sort of thing, hearing people's experiences and, and being like, oh, actually, yeah, you know, I react in those situations. And it was actually listening to a, a podcast that I discovered through my cyber stalking that you've appeared on. Um, but I was listening oh, really? to to uh, an episode of the one you feed oh yes and um the guest on there was a guy called eric tivers i think but he he was talking about adhd and and the moment that really clicked for me was he said when you know when he tried medication he said for the first time i was able to read a page on a book and remember what i'd read and i was just like wow i didn't know that was a thing like i've Mm. always been a voracious reader but i I just accept the fact that i often have to reread pages or you know or i'm conscious that i've kind of skipped through it and you know and i was but yeah i was just thought well that's how people read and you know i've it it was never an issue at school etc you know i'm a good reader and then hearing that i was like oh i didn't realize well, a sort of similar conversation that we had before we started recording, but you know that thing of I, I didn't realise like that you take that information in, um, you know, yeah. it, it's that sort of short term 
well, taking in information and then, as as you've mentioned, like almost instantly forgetting it. Um, I mean, it's almost a bit like I remember when I first got contact lenses. I used to wear glasses in class to see the board. And then I went, you know, when I was 18 and I went to get my contact lenses, I walked out the opticians and I was like, trees have leaves. <laughs> People across the road have faces. Like, and it was a completely new experience to me. Buildings have straight edges, you know, and everything was had been a bit fuzzy. And I, I mean, I can't, uh, I can't vouch for drugs yet because I haven't started that process. But it'll be interesting to see if suddenly it's like, oh, right. But I mean, also the other thing to say is that a lot of the the kind of pushback against these ADHD diagnoses is because of the medication. And in some ways that makes it more controversial than say an autism diagnosis or a dyslexia diagnosis, because that's just, um, well, not just, but you know, that's something that's the diversity. It's there, there are strategies that can help, blah, 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 but no one's giving you any medication for it. Whereas because they're stimulants and because there's this constant fear of big pharma trying to, you know, do us over in some way that, that people that don't want to touch um, stimulants. But when I had my diagnosis, the, the, the kind of the, the conversation I had with the psychiatrist was a lot of people don't find that they work. It might help a bit. People forget to take them. That's the thing that makes me laugh. So it's re- there's loads of research papers on how to get people with ADHD, how to get adults with ADHD to take their medication because they forget. And you have all this stuff about these really addictive drugs. We mustn't let these people become addicted. And if they have ADHD, the chances are that they're not going to be taking them because they'll forget anyway. And it's very low doses. And, you know, as prescribed, they're perfectly safe and all that, all that kind of, all that jazz. But um, yeah, I'm kind of hoping, I, I don't think it's just black and white for everybody, but I think in some people when the, when the drugs work, it can be like, a, wow, Le- trees, trees have leaves. Books don't need four readings. <laughs> but when I got the diagnosis, they put me on to the, the titration waiting list, which is so because um, these drugs, you know, they, they have the, the balance between effect and side effect is quite narrow. So they have to give you the tiny bit and then ramp you up. Um, and then stop when it gets too much and go back down again. And that process takes a lot of time. So I've been put onto the second waiting list for that. So that should start, um, I think, somewhere around the new year, depending on how long it takes. But I'm definitely going to try because, you know, a lot of people don't like them. Some people do like them. Um, and, and I spoke to a, a colleague of mine, a new scientist, who was recently diagnosed and she does take medication. She said she was surprised how much it helped, especially on those days where, you really are banging your head against the wall and you know you've got stuff to do. And it's actually interesting stuff, but you cannot get your brain in gear to do it. And that's the kind of days when it's really a game changer, I think. Because one of the biggest things for me work-wise is that I can be doing, you know, an article and then someone will come in uh, or contact me and say, oh, can you do me a quick turnaround piece for tomorrow at four o'clock? And I genuinely don't know, which I've been doing this job for 23 years you know, um, I should know how long it takes me to write an article, but it's kind of like, uh, if I'm in the right frame of mind, yes. But that is, you can't say that to an editor when they're offering you work. You just have to say, yeah, okay. And then you just think, shit, and just panic and um, and either beg for a, an extension on the deadline if it doesn't work or more more often just get really stressed and try and do it. MedUp Mendown is sponsored by Welldoing. It's a great platform for finding a therapist or counsellor. They only accept verified professionals and they make it really easy to find one who is right for you. 
You can also use their personalized matching service so your availability, budget and needs are expertly matched with just the right person. If you didn't already know, success in therapy is down to making a great match with your counselor and the people at Welldoing really know how to make that happen. Plus, they have loads of stories, videos and interviews to support your mental health. Take a look at welldoing.org. Yeah, I mean, that's, well, again, you, you perfectly described situations or, you know, my, my thought process. And I tend to go the other way where I'm like, no. And then, you know, literally a few hours later, I'm like, that thing that I thought was going to take three hours took me half an hour. Um, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, we are jumping around a bit. <laughs> yeah, but one, one of the... Funny um, that, funny that. Funny that, yeah. But one of, one of the things that's... Um, that's coming through in the research about ADHD is that there might that there may be a core feature of it, which is a problem with perception of time, mm. and that feeds into everything. So it feeds it feeds into time dragging, you know, and being unable to tolerate boredom. It feeds into feeling rushed. It's basically you ca- people with ADHD can't really estimate how long something is going to take and when they're doing something they don't know how long it takes so my blind spot is you know like a 10 minute if if i'm cooking something unless i set a timer there's absolutely no way i'll go back in 10 minutes and check whether that's cooked or not absolutely no way i've boiled so many things dry i can't do complicated recipes because there aren't enough timers in the world to to keep me on track if it's if it's got too many moving parts it has to be like put that in take it out at this time put it back in add another ingredient boom and so there's this kind of understanding that's coming through now that maybe there's some fundamental problem with time perception in ADHD that underlies a lot of this stuff, this anxiety, the forgetfulness, the distractibility. And I think that's really interesting because it's definitely one thing that I can't do. They, you know, they talk about people with ADHD having a sense of what's now and what's not now. And yeah. what's not now yeah. doesn't exist. Things in the past, yeah. things in the future, nah, it's there somewhere. So, and it's really hard when you're trying to plan a workload because you think, well, how long is it going to take you? How long will it take you to write me a 2000 word article? Mm. <laughs> I usually I usually just pluck three weeks out of the air and then work it out from there because I, I don't know. I could write it in two days. I could write it in an afternoon or, yeah. or I or could take three weeks, get really stressed or I could take three weeks yeah. or I could faff around for three weeks and take a week at the end, you know, so it's, well, yeah, it's really yeah. difficult. I mean, that's what I meant in terms of taking three weeks in that you'll make a great start oh well and as you say then something else comes in you're like oh well i'll quickly do that then they'll come back to it and then a week passes and you're like oh my god i haven't carried on with that but yeah so i mean sort of let's sort of talk a bit more about sort of symptoms because you know you sort of said about the time issue i mean i think another one that sort of clicked for me is you know basically losing things um i mean like i I think my my best one was I lost lost the car in the car park. Multi-story oh, I do that car all the park. time. And then when I finally found it, I couldn't find the ticket to get out of the car park. Um, and yeah. I mean, like this was basically this was a few years ago now, but it was um, it was literally like my daughter's last day before she started primary school. I mean, she's fourteen now, but um, it was like we'll go to the cinema and you know have a nice afternoon. And, you know, but now she's just like every so often, do you remember that time when you lost the car? Yeah. <laughs> I do it all the time. And like, I literally will walk out of the supermarket and I'll I'll have to think, where is it? So what my strategy for that, which I've just 
just started Walker's <laughs> looking like what weirdos well because once the car is parked it no longer exists and you go in and you concentrate on your shopping or not as the case may be so I always park in the same row in the supermarket always so I know I don't know where it is on that row but I'll know it's in that row somewhere and I get very cross if that whole row is completely taken up because I'll be like, oh, damn, I'm going to have to find out where the bloody car is. Yeah. What, what if you go to a new car park? I park as close to the door as possible. But, you know, thank goodness nowadays you've got the cars where you, you press on the button and it and the flashes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I, I have to just go around for my Where's my car? Yeah. I mean, I, no, I, mean I, I, think... I do admit when, when I get out of a parking lot, I take a picture of the level. Right, so because I yeah. don't remember, I get out of level two, one, or whatever. So yeah. I kind of know, uh, but yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm super organized, right? So I'm very process driven. But I just take a picture so I know which level I'm at. So, you know, it narrows it down. Then usually I know where I parked in that level. Yeah, no, I think spatial. Um, so it's funny because my, my first book that I wrote um, is called Override. It's basically looking back at it. So basically what I did in the book is I wanted to look at different ways of training your brain that were not sort of bullshit um, brain training exercises because they've, they've been shown really scientifically to not do anything apart from make you better at them. But we do know that brains change and they can get better at stuff and that's, that's what brains do. So I, I set off on this sort of quest to go around the world and say, okay, can you improve my skills on this, 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 this and this and throw the best science you've got at me? And the things I chose were... Uh, sustained attention, anxiety, creativity, perception of time, and number skills. And all of those things, this is way before my diagnosis, but all of those things have since been linked to ADHD in one way or the other. The things I was good at, like the creativity, that's an upside. But sense of direction, being rubbish with numbers, you know, anxiety, all of those things are now linked to ADHD. So I think I think sort of, and it's also linked in with the kind of once something's out of sight, it's disappeared. It doesn't exist anymore. So I think these things, yeah, they, but it can make everyday life really quite difficult. So when I go into the supermarket, unless I have not only, a, I, I've been able to go, I can go to the supermarket with a list and a pen and I can go around, I can put things in the trolley and I can cross them off and I can get home. Everything's crossed off and I've still missed something that's on the list. And it took me ages to work out how I was doing it. The only thing I can think how I was doing it was not putting something in the trolley and just absentmindedly crossing something off mm. or crossing the wrong thing off. So just little things like that. You know, it doesn't sound like much and people can think, oh, you're making a big fuss out of this. But it can make life really stressful because you're like, where's the car? Uh, what did I forget? Get home. Ah, I forgot the chicken. And you're back down to the supermarket again. And it can just make life a lot harder than it needs to be. I mean, you know, and I think, you know, that's the sort of important thing. Like, you know, we're sort of laughing about it and saying, oh, Volker's looking at us like, you know, we're, you know, we're mad. You know, and again, it's like, oh, well, everyone does that. But I think the difference is when, you know, you spend so much of your life or, you know, and you can have some days where, yeah, if you're in a rush, so you're getting from place to place and, you know, one minute you've got your phone in your hand and your drink, you know, you're in the car and then you're like, where's that drink gone and mm. you know it is sort of constant like self-doubt self-checking yeah you know and often... people rolling their eyes at you quite often as well mm. oh, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah 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 and and that can take its toll and i'm sure that's where a lot of the anxiety and low self-esteem so one of the things that came out of some of the research i looked at in the article was that people um 
adults who get diagnosed, um, even regardless of whether they take medication or not, it still has an impact on their self-esteem um, because partly, I think, just because you know that there's a reason for these things and you understand yourself a bit better and then you can sort of mm. not beat yourself up, not have this constant internal chat of, oh, for God's sake, you're such an idiot, you know, all the time because negative self-talk is really bad for your mental health. I mean, well, again, there's there's a couple of things you've, you've hit there, hit on there. But I think, A, it is that, you know, beating up, you know, it is, well, you know, my internal monologue, and, you know, it is that quite a, a violent, vicious, you idiot, you know, which mm-hmm. it's like I wouldn't speak to my kids like that, you know, no. I wouldn't, it's like you wouldn't speak to anyone else like that. Um, but, oh, and I've forgotten, <laughs> forgotten the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the other thing, yeah, it will come. It will. It will come. Is, is anyone else who's listening feeling like we're all over the place here? <laughs> is anybody else? Is anybody still listening? That's the question. Uh, of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> oh, Matt, I, you know, I think I think we've we've, we've stayed quite on track. Uh, are there any, you know, observing it? Are, are there any tips and tricks? I mean, what what do you guys do in daily life to cope? I mean, you know, besides parking in the same row in the supermarket i mean you you need a shopping list right you need i need a shopping list on my i put it on my phone and i have yeah. on my on my notes on my phone you can put it so it has little little blobs that you tick yeah and you, when you've ticked them off i do that i just check it i also um i, I was called out by my neighbor for, for potentially being really rude because i'm so focused when i'm shopping like I, there's no time for chit chat. Like my 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 neighbor came over to me and said, "Are you ignoring me for a reason?" And I don't. You know, I was like, no, "No, I'm just." He said, "Are you genuinely focusing that hard on crisps?" And I'm like, "Yes, I am because I need to remember which." So yeah, I suppose the, the tips and tricks. Yeah, park in the same place. I always put my. You know, I mean, this is kind of fairly basic stuff, but always I've got a little drawer by the front door. Keys go in there. If they're not there, I have no idea where they are, so they always go in there. I have. I will demonstrate the noise that drives my husband totally mad. I have my watch, which can find my phone. So I, I just constantly do that about five or six times a day. Where's my phone? It's upstairs. What are you saying about the key, right? Mm. Again, I'm super organized. I'm hyper organized and drives my wife mad as well. But I know where my keys are. You know, I know what's in, in my drawers and in my cupboard behind me, right? But mm. I know exactly what is in there and which box, etc. But I have it all in my brain. And if anyone messes with that system, it totally drives me nuts. So it's almost the opposite. It's almost OCD. Yeah. Rather than ADHD, right? Because I, you know, and if anything is out of place, it, it drives me nuts. It got better over the years. So I've got more relaxed about it. Let's say someone grabs a pair of scissors out of my drawer, which is absolutely fine if they need a pair of scissors, but don't give it back. I hate that. If I, you know, it has to be in the top drawer, and if it's not there, it drives me potty. So I'd rather buy my wife a new pair of scissors if she needed one than hers using mine. And this is not because I'm possessive. Because don't I- touch my stuff. Yeah. yeah, if I if I need one, I want it to be here, right? Yeah, and, not and so no running. Or, or not yeah. yeah, well, it's funny because um, since since my diagnosis, I've actually my my life is possibly more organised because I've recognised that I don't have the bandwidth for things to be confusing because I've already got enough going on in my head. So I've rearranged the fridge so that we have a dairy. <laughs> you probably have this already, Volker, but we have a we have a dairy shelf and this is where the savoury items go and this is where the vegetables and some spillover because of that is allowed onto the next shelf. But before it was all carnage and I'd open the fridge, what's for dinner? And I'd be like, oh God, I can't. It's too much. It's overwhelming. I can't. So I just close the door and do beans on toast. 
Um, and I've done, so I've, I've arranged that. I've arranged, so in my, one of the bugbears at home was that I'd have a pile of clothes on the floor like a teenager. And my justification was always like, well, this stuff isn't dirty, but it's not clean either. So I can't put it back in the cupboard and it's not ready to go in the basket. <laughs> David's like, yeah. So what I did, I got myself two extra baskets because I identified that there are two different categories of clothing. One is the dog walking clothes, which can be worn all week and even if they're a bit dirty. And some of the just, the, you know, I'll get another day out of that jumper. So and I have two baskets under my bed. I put the kind of cleanish clothes under that side and I put the dog walking clothes under that side and the dirty ones go in the basket and it's kind of cleared the floor job done and it was such a simple thing but I almost needed to know that about my brain before I could put that into practice whereas before I was like well it's obvious that's I my pile to, deal uh, live I with it to, I had to get rid of the chair in the bedroom just because yeah. it's it yeah. from the mountain and then I yeah. bought some like little linen boxes from Habitat or somewhere like that yeah. Same sort of thing. But I mean, so th- this is my my problem is, you know, I, a well, A, I know where the keys are meant to go, but, you know, often, you know, it, it, they just go in my pocket or, mm. you know, I forget, I forget to sort of perform that task. And, you know, similar sort of thing where, well, I guess about a year ago, Volker introduced me to Evernote and I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I can really organize myself with that. Then after a week, you know, I forget about it. And then, you know, and it's it's almost like I've got loads of apps or journals or things over the years that I've bought to try and organize myself. And yeah. And you know, again, it's sort of almost like the story of my life. You know, the first week go in there with great intentions and, and bang on it. Um, and then, you know, it, it's almost like it doesn't take much. Um, no. To strategies work. Strategies work and uh, until they don't. And when they don't work, I think one of the important things to do is then not to beat yourself up about it and just go, well, that worked for a bit. What shall I try next? Because otherwise you're just like, I've got the system. Why didn't I use the system? And then you're back to square one again, like giving yourself a really hard time. So my baskets are working now, but they're quite a new intervention. Uh, and they're, they're definitely slipping a little bit. I do have to consciously go, oh, hang on, I've got a pile and then and then sort it. But I think just knowing knowing that that's a part of you and that mm. that you're not a terrible human being because if you were a terrible lazy human being you wouldn't even try you mm. wouldn't even like buy the journals and and buy the linen boxes so so it's not laziness it's just but it is but it is worth finding things that help whatever they may be even if they change because then that frees up your mental bandwidth for the stuff that you you do want to be doing yeah I've, I've forgotten that second. I've, I've remembered. I've remembered that second point that I forgot. Excellent. Go on. Um, let's hear it. But it was just coming back to that, like you were saying about your stepdad's comment. You know, if you had a brain, you'd be dangerous. And you know, and I'm I'm sure that you know, well, possibly by my stepdad, I was told that. But um, you know, that that's, you know, again, it sort of really helps sum it up. And you know, and I think for me, that's always been like I know that I'm intelligent. But, you know, some things, or, you know, almost like what seems like something very simple is, well, for example, asking someone for directions. And after, like, you mm. know, the first couple of things they've said, I'm like, you know, so it's now, I mean, especially when working with clients, it's almost like I have to record conversations and, you know, it, it's, well, just trying to keep, keep you, keep on top of things um, any way yeah. you can, really, isn't it? 
Exactly. And kind of, I think forgiving yourself for it, which sounds really kind of new age and, and hand wavy, but, you know, just not thinking, well, why, why do I need, you know, if I'm planning, so I'm going to London for some work on Monday, you know, the fact that I have to sit there and plan it out, I need to leave, the, I need to be there at this time and then write it down in a list what time mm. I need to leave, what time I need to get in the shower, what time I need to walk the dog, and just having a list. Whereas most people just think, oh, no, as long as I'm up by six, I'll be fine. I have to literally, and then I have to refer to it multiple times. Mm. Otherwise, I'm stressed about what time I need to leave. So, yeah. but whereas so me, before um, I used to think, I'm, I'm stupid, I can't remember that, I will now mm. just write it down and just refer to it and go, okay, that's where it is and that's what I need to do. It's, it's fascinating because I do that as well. You know, if, if oh, I have, really? yeah, I, I, I sometimes block time. Maybe your ADHD. See, I'm, I'm, I'm always wondering that, but every every test says no, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure there's some tendency in there, but it's it's quite interesting. I don't need to refer to the list, you know, that I need to shower and get dressed and you know put my shoes on and walk the dog, but I do time block it. Yeah. You know, so, so I have things in there where I say, okay, this is when I have to leave to the train, you know, this dog walk, etc. So I put that all in my calendar, so so I can plan it. Yeah. So if, if I say I'm more process driven, mm -hmm. I think I come from a process point of view, but I'm, I'm following the same principle, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting mm -hmm. to hear that. Yeah. I mean, so I think there's, there's, it's also worth saying that there's nothing in ADHD symptoms that doesn't also fall under totally normal, normal human behavior. So it's not about, you know, if you have these symptoms or if you've experienced these behaviors and these either thing that that automatically means you have it. It's about the impact. So you have to, to get the diagnosis, you have to have five or six symptoms that have been there since childhood and they have to be mild to moderate. So they have to affect your life enough for it to be a problem to you. So when people say to me, yeah, but we all do that, don't we? And I was like, well, does it cause you a problem? Well, no, well, you I've do it every now and again. I've a podcast episode about it. Yeah, exactly. We've all done, we've all done that. But like, if it if it's not to the point where you're banging your head off the wall, going ah, why do I always do this? Then it's not a problem. Move along. You don't have a you don't have a diagnosable disorder. It's only the, you know the whole point. You can argue over whether the word disorder is right, or whether it should just be a neuro divergent thing. But to my mind, no disorder. If it's not affecting your life negatively, then it's no problem. So. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it was it was true that we all are a little bit ADHD, but we're not a lot ADHD. And if we are a lot ADHD, then then it's probably time to go and get some help. Well, um, as Caroline says, I think we could have uh, talked for hours about this, but um, we are pretty much coming to the end of the episode. I mean, if to sort of perhaps summarise, so I guess your advice would be, you know, if if there are things that are bothering you, go and get a mm -hmm. diagnosis. Sorry, what? Or at least try. Well, yeah. Sorry, and what, what's not the, easy. Um, what, what's the the six month route again? Um, it's called uh, um, NHS Right to Choose, and I think I, I may be wrong, but I think it covers all a lots of different um, mental health diagnoses. So basically, you, you can go to um, the web, you can print out a letter that you can take to your doctor and say, "I would like to be referred." So the doctor still has to agree that they, that you're worthy of being referred because you're clearly having a problem. My doctor was great. Some doctors aren't. But then you can go on to a different waiting list, which will be sort of it's private, but paid for by the NHS. And it's and it tend, tends to be a lot shorter than than local. You know, my my local waiting list was seven years, I think. Yeah. So six months is a lot, a lot better than that. And, you know, even though there's been controversy about 
private assessments if people have the means and it and, and they feel that that would be useful then then as long as you check that you've got that it's a proper thorough assessment that's not just a 20 minutes oh yeah it sounds like it assessment then then that's you know it's not a bad thing necessarily okay so yeah and um if people want to uh find more of your articles um or buy some of your books oh yes they they're very welcome to buy my all my books yes um so my website's carolinewilliams.net so there's links to articles on there and yeah you can find me on instagram caroline williams underscore science brilliant um I, I would like to point out that my articles are a lot better reasoned um than my just talking out loud because when one maybe it's maybe it's the reason maybe maybe I need to get things in a logical narrative mm. order and back up every statement with a huge amount of over-research. So, um, you know, friends of mine who, who know me just in real life just say, oh, I've read some of your stuff. You actually, you, you're quite good at that and you're quite intelligent, aren't you? Like, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't sound it. <laughs> but when I, when I boil it down and plan it properly and speak to the right people, it all comes out making a lot more sense. So you're probably better off reading my article about ADHD and new scientists and listening to me wittering on about it for 45 minutes. <laughs> That's brilliant. And we put it all in the show notes as well. So people don't need to take notes. <laughs> good good yes if you can't bear to listen to these ramblings please click here yeah so uh, well i hope it's helpful to some people because it you know we joke about it but it's a real pain in the neck and you know to have to struggle with everyday stuff that you're supposed to be able to do as an adult yeah am i a terrible adult or do i have adhd discuss yeah that that could be the title of your next book yeah well i've got another one in, in well, the works at the moment you can up and say yes you're a terrible ad- adult yes you're it. a terrible adult move along yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buy my next book how not to be a terrible adult yeah i, I haven't worked that one out yet <laughs> what, what, what is your next book about just just briefly. well i'm not an, i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say oh, okay. yet i think there's going to be an announcement that's exciting mm-hmm. but it's it's on the general so my book move was about how you know moving your body affects the way you think and feel and so the next one is expanding the theme of tuning into your body and um understanding your mind via the body well not just through the body is putting the body back in the equation anyway so more details to come on that Uh, one maybe we can have you on when when you are allowed to uh, yeah absolutely when i've worked it out so yes i've now been rather than having to go do you know, lots of deadlines and juggle them. I've now got one enormous deadline and about 70,000 words to write between now and then. So, so I'll be, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I've done it before. How hard can it be? It'll be fine. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Folker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.